Buckeye fans, welcome to the Buck Nuts Happy Hour. Man, the season is flying by this year. We're already to two weeks left of the regular season in college football. It's going to be a fun last two weeks. Ohio State still very much in the thick of things. We'll get to that. I'm Patrick Murphy. If you've been following along with us all season, you know how the Buck Nuts Happy Hour works at this point. We are uh, here to talk some Buckeyes and uh, you know do it in, in a fun way with. Uh, Maybe a beverage or two, if if you so choose. It's we're recording this at about two thirty on a Thursday, so I don't know how many people are are jumping into uh, the beverages quite yet, but uh, you know, we'll 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 forgive that for now. Anyway, we want to talk Buckeyes. We're going to talk Maryland. We're going to be joined by uh, Jeff Herman from our Maryland site here later on to to give us the latest on Maryland. But first, we're going to focus on the Buckeyes, and we couldn't do that without my pal and frequenter of the Bucknuts Happy Hour, Timmy Hall. Timmy, you uh, you you made it again. Thanks for coming on. Oh, you're welcome, Pat. Welcome to the Blue Jacket Studio for a Buckeye themed podcast. Makes a lot of sense, right? Whatever works. There's nowhere else for me to go. I don't, I don't know what you want me to do. Like I could, I could switch the wall, but there's there's, <laughs> there's a jersey there. There's a logo there. I guess there's blue there. How's this? Is this better? More of yeah, a, more of the radio theme. Yeah, there you go. Take Look, the jackets just, out of it. I'm just happy you you continue to stop by the happy hour despite the fact that you don't get to drink during the happy hour. I know, man. I know. Yeah. We got all these. Yeah, che- cheers, buddy. I've got a cheers. Here, I'm going early. A uh, friend of mine's dad bought uh, Great Lakes Christmas Sale. It's got spices and honey this year. Um, and, oh, uh, really? Bought me, uh, bought me a case of those because I helped them get parking for last week's game. So, uh, yeah, I got a, got a case of Christmas Sale a little earlier than I usually would get them. But, uh, yeah, cheers. Well, I mean, I think you're we're, – we're almost to Thanksgiving week now. So yeah. I know there's a lot of hot takes – that go on about Christmas decorations, right? And, you know, when Sam's Club or Meyer starts throwing that stuff out, that gets a little ridiculous, by the way. I'm pretty sure that Sam's had Christmas stuff out to purchase in early October. Early October. I mean, like, that's insane. That's insanity. But once you get to Thanksgiving week, you're you're in the clear. You can get the tree. You can start throwing up lights. It, the holiday goes from one to the other. I mean, Santa Claus makes his appearance at the end of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Good That's point. the official kickoff of the Christmas season. Yeah, well, and when we're talking beer, too, you can drink whatever beer you want whenever you want, in my mind. No, you can't. That's not <laughs> true. All right. There are rules. <laughs> there, there'd be chaos without them, right? But you're good. We're we're close enough to Thanksgiving. You're in the clear for the Christmas sale. You can't drink a pumpkin spice brew in the dead of summer. What are you insane? You can't you can't do that. But you could drink one now because we're coming in on Thanksgiving. You you can hit the fall and the winter in this little power window right now. So what a time to be a fan of brews. All right. 
people. I'm glad we've established uh, the beer drinking rules. Um, I There are a few things I want to talk about, but Ryan Day, I think, made some headlines today uh, on his lightning round Zoom call. He was asked about if he still thought that Jackson Smith and Jigba would be uh, would play this year, and he said, I wouldn't expect, I'd say more hoping, but no update at this point. Tim, how do you read that? Because it was just two weeks ago when Ryan Day said he expected to get Jackson back at some point this season. How do you, how do you kind of read that situation from Ryan Day? I read it the same way that we've been reading it since he came back the second time, and we all saw him. We all saw that look inside the face mask when he went limping off on the sideline and he got checked out again, right? And then they just the, – Ryan Day and the rest of the program, they've just been telling us what we want to hear, right? I think that's what they've been doing. They're trying to do their jobs to the best of their ability to protect Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think they're trying to play the game with the media when you have a big-time player who just put down one of the most epic seasons in Ohio State football history. And look, that in a vacuum has been a, a big letdown, the biggest letdown of this Ohio State season and it's nobody's fault, right? You can't you can't blame you can't blame anybody for for being injured. I mean, I guess you could I get you could bicker about the way they have kept information and it it has actually we had we spent a good chunk of an episode talking about injuries. And that, I thought that was a great discussion that that we got into Pat and I this whole Jackson Smith and Jigba situation has made me question that a little bit more as to whether in it and it's not i'm not so much caught on the gambling aspect of it right you want to gamble on sports that's on you whatever happens happens that's why they call it gambling as our as our moms and dads would tell us right but for for lack of anything else we just want to know that's simple as that right we just want to know because we love jackson smith and jigba we love our team we're curious. We just would like to know and feel like we're part of the fabric of the team. Feel like we're part of it. Like we don't not going to do anything about it. You know, we're not going to do anything with it. It's just to have that knowledge of, oh, where's Jackson Smith and Jigba at with this? And they've just been stringing you along about how, oh, he's good. He's good. He's going to be back. Nothing has changed for me since that second injury, Pat, or since he came, second injury, whatever you want to call it, since he came back that second time and then quickly went out again, I've just been a, yeah, just sit back and hope. I'm not expecting him to come back, but if by some miracle, I, we, I don't think, I don't have any idea if this guy truly, honestly, is closing in on a return to play. Do you, Pat? But if, if we wake up on Tuesday of Michigan week and they're saying he's going to play, Great. Good. You know, what? welcome him back. But I'm not expecting a 100% or a Jackson Smith and Jigba of any kind at all the rest of this college football season at this point. Yeah, I mean, I have said all along, look, I know for a fact from talking to people that Jackson wants to play. And, you know, I don't think anyone's questioning that anymore. He's He could have opted out when this first happened, right? And he's, he's fought to come back. Yeah. He's been doing what he can. You know, there were reports a week or so ago um, about him going to see, you know, a second doctor about the the 
hamstring injury. You know, I don't know what you do. I'm no medical professional, obviously, but like the hamstring has to heal. And sometimes it takes a long time. So like, I don't, right. there's not like something he can go have surgery on that would make this heal quicker. As far as I know, a surgery so, seems like it would just put you on the shelf even longer. And yeah. we're not even certain if this is the type of injury that you would even want to have a surgery on right. like a straight up tear, but it's a nuisance. It's a nagging thing. And clearly his weapon is his speed and his agility. And if he doesn't have all that and he's neutralized and he's going to be in pain out there and not himself, then what's the point? Yeah. And so my read on the situation is that, you know, Ryan is, is being even more careful about what he says now, but also I take it as, look, I don't see him coming back for these next couple weeks in the regular season. I don't see a point then using him in the Big Ten championship game. So I think if you see Jackson Smith and Jigba, it would be after almost an additional month off in the college football playoff and yeah. when you've had time to slowly yeah. work him back in. And I've said previously, yeah. I think he could have come back. He could come back for the Michigan game, maybe the Big Ten championship game. The way Ryan kind of phrased that today leads me to believe that those are probably significantly yeah. less likely. Yeah, um, and may- Maybe if he didn't try to come back that second time, yeah. maybe if they just taken the foot off the gas pedal, worked him back even slower, more cautiously. Maybe he didn't re-injure something. Maybe then there was still a chance. I, I think at the a lot of Buckeye fans were of that opinion when he tried to come back. What was that against Toledo, Patrick? And it didn't yeah. look all that great. Yeah, I think the, I think at that point, you're, some people were saying just let him take let him take it off until possibly the game at the end of the regular season. But now you're right; you get the big break for uh, the bowl games. There's going to be several weeks there where you'll have a chance to possibly get it ready. And if you're in the college football playoff, and you're right, credit to Jackson Smith and Jigba for still busting his butt in you know hearing how he's he's been at practice and he's been on the jugs machine. He's doing whatever his body allows him to do to keep his hand-eye coordination up to up to snuff, right, while the lower half gets ready. You know, it would be great, you know. It would be great to have this guy. How could you say, I don't care how long he's been out, you get that kind of infusion into your offense, whatever Marvin Harrison Jr., whatever Emeka has been doing, Jackson Smith and Jigba coming back for the playoff, it would be unbelievable. Yeah, and if they don't make the playoff, God forbid, um, I don't see him coming back you know, for a, a Rose Bowl game. He's already done that, right? He's got the records. Um, let's talk about the running back situation, and we don't have to spend a ton of time on it, but obviously it's kind of hit panic mode last week. There was a few pictures of, I think there were four injured running backs sitting on the sidelines, one of them being Chip Trainum, who wasn't supposed to be a running back at Ohio State, but has moved back from linebacker. Um, Travion Henderson was out last week. Mayan Williams leaves the game. Evan Pryor's out for the year. You get Dallin Hayden. You got Xavier Johnson with the big run. Where are you on kind of your concern? Ryan Day said earlier this week he would expect probably two of those guys back, but we've heard this from Ryan all season, as you mentioned. Where are you on kind of your panic meter when it comes to the running backs? Yeah, no, you're right. When it when it comes to you know taking what Ryan Day says about injuries as a Bible. Yeah, you take your life into your own hands, right? Like it's 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 definite coach speak when it comes to that. It's like, ah, what do I? How do I say this to the media when I don't really want to tell them? 
I, I, there was wasn't there one was it last week's press conference where he started off by basically just saying, "Yeah, we're not going to do the the injury yeah. thing today." <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, we're we're not going to be given specifics. We're not going to be saying anything about injuries." Well, like, oh, okay. The way, the way it's kind of mutated is if you ask Ryan the question in the right way, where he doesn't have to really give what's happening with the injury, but right. and, and some guys are better at that than others uh, in the media. It, my my cohorts at asking to get him to talk around the injury but not actually enough that he feels uncomfortable but anyway well, well, you got to you got to do it in a way that like phrases that they're playing your coach how's how's Mayan look and I'm sure he's got to be really excited for this game yeah. against Maryland right yeah and then I he think- says oh well you know we'll we'll see we'll see if he's going to be ready to go and then oh okay then you have your quotes not sure if mine Williams will be ready to go yeah. against me. I'm, I'm making this to, I'm, to everybody listening and watching. I'm, I'm now using, I'm uh, just giving examples right now. He didn't actually say that, but yeah, what he did say about the running back situation, I, there is a level of concern a hundred percent. Yes. Um, to have Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams in and out of the lineup all year, you want to have a balanced offense I know this is a team their their strength is throwing the football and you can certainly see it at this point of the year. You want to throw the ball really effectively to then be able to run the football, but you still, you still need to be able to go and get short yardage, which they have not been good at recently, regardless of what your passing game is doing. You need to desire, you need to want, you need to be able to pick up some short yardage situations throughout a football game. And when you're talking about Ohio State football, you really do want that balanced attack. You should have been able to take a Northwestern game and said, weather be damned, we can still run it for 300 yards on these guys because our athletes are going to line up against their athletes regardless of our scheme. But the scheme is good enough if you execute it that it will work. It's, it's concerning to have two running backs that are that talented and I know that's been a big part of it. It really has been. Their health, you could say whatever you want to say about, you know, maybe they, they lack the right kind of vision in some of these games when the yard per carry average wasn't up there. There's some truth to that. The offensive line, the interior of it hasn't played as well as we'd hoped it would play. That might be the bigger thing is that up until this last week, you had the same five starters for every game, which is a rarity in any level of football. Yeah. And you just would have hoped that they would have been more dominant in the run game consistently because that seems like it's a hell of a lot more fun than uh, pass protection. Getting down and dirty and run blocking. like That's what right. you should love to do, just blowing dudes off the football. But, Pat, yeah, a little bit concerned about that, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I mean, I think it's nice that we've been able to see some depth built. Um, I like what we've seen from Dallin Hayden a lot, and I think that this kid has certainly has a future with the Buckeyes. But your top two running backs being in and out of the lineup so frequently is is concerning to me. Um, you know, I I I worry that when it comes down to crunch time, you know, will those guys be available? Sounds like they're getting healthier. I think Travion Henderson probably could have played. Um, last week if they needed him to, but they didn't think they would. And, you know, then mine goes out. So hopefully you get some guys back. Hopefully you uh, are ready to go this week. Tim, how much time we got you for? How much time? I got a couple of, I got a couple of minutes for you, Pat. Right. And we got some updates coming up here on the fan. I'm sorry. No, sorry you're good. You're good. Out for that. We had to 
turn things around this week a little differently. Yeah. But hey, let me ask you this then: Are you at all concerned about this game this week and the Buckeyes looking ahead to Michigan the week after? No. Things change, right? Like that's what's great about a football season. That's what's great about the journey, the path. It it ebbs and flows. We get it. It's part. It's it's what makes doing this job fun. It's what it's what makes being a football fan fun too. Is that your minds can change, things can change. You know, a few weeks ago, there was some curiosity about this Ohio State football team. If they, did they? Did they possess that kind of you know physical dominance that we were talking about to handle November 26? Not about some of these, I guess I won't call them patsies. I mean, we're in the Big Ten schedule, but let's be honest, some of these teams recently that have been on the schedule have not been a match for Ohio State. Not not at all. And I was I was actually surprised at how woeful Indiana was. But again. Ohio State woke up and had a different level of performance. They they didn't let some opponent that wasn't on their level stick around in a football game. Poor weather, good weather, whatever. They just bludgeoned Indiana, and I they they did it to such an extent that I felt bad for the Hoosiers. I felt bad for them and their quarterback situation and Tom Allen, who's a guy that I liked, but Maryland. They just, they haven't been good. They yeah. do this every year, Pat. They start hot. They got some good offensive players. We know Talia Tungavailoa. He can throw the football around, but his numbers have been dreadful here in the last pair of games. You know, Rakim Jarrett also, you know, he's been a really, really good wide receiver. I don't know how, you know, how useful, how effective he's going to be. I'm not concerned at all about Maryland. I'm really not, you know couple weeks ago, maybe that would have been different that this had been the game that we looked at and said, watch out for that one. Very trappy, but yeah. not for me right now. I see a, I see a 35 point blowout at least for Ohio state. All right. You are, you are in the record. What book. the hell, man? What yeah. the hell? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll let you come back next week with what the heck to what the hell since, since you got to go, you know, do your job out there, but yeah, the thanks. What, the what the what the hell was how we're doing the college football playoff ranking show with I the basketball set up now how yes. it was I thought that was supposed to happen at halftime right not in between the games this at halftime this is the same thing I'm going to yell about later so don't you worry. are you okay yeah do it at the break the game went to you know seventeen overtimes I didn't even make it to the end of the Kansas Duke game I was so tired I fell asleep near the end of the first half, but great win for the Jayhawks. Rock chalk, baby. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I'm going to yell about that later. Basically, I don't think you need to do the show at all at that point, but I'll touch on it later. You can listen back after. Just, po- after. just post the rankings, right? Yeah, exactly. Just post them up. Exactly. Yeah. All right, buddy. All right. Well, thanks for joining, Tim. You, you, you've been you've been great again. All right, that was Timmy Hall from 97.1 The Fan and The Buckeye Show. Tim gives us his time every week, does a great job. We'll have Jeff Ehrman from uh, our Maryland site on here shortly. Um, in between that, I'll pick up where where Timmy kind of left off with our What the Hell segment that we started last week. Just look, when you're sitting around the bar with with friends, 
I think one of the things people, especially when you're bitching about things, what the hell? I feel like that's yelled a lot. So we started this new segment just to yell about things. And Tim started it off there with exactly what I was going to say, this college football playoff rankings. We talk about them a lot. They're, you know, they're great TV. I get that. But if you were watching this past week, A, there was no drama. Everyone knew more or less what the, at least the top eight, nine teams were going to be. I know there was some changes with the rest of the rankings, but you have double overtime and what was a really good Michigan state uh, Kentucky game. I, I really enjoyed the game, but pushing off the ranking show till in between the game as as Tim mentioned, they used to do it at halftime, just a quick thing. There was no reason for that. It was, it was ridiculous. I mean, if you were just a college football fan and you were tuning in to just watch that game and, uh, or to watch the ranking show and you didn't care about the basketball game, you had to wait probably an extra, almost an hour to, to get, what you were looking for and, and for nothing really is, is the way it turns out. So look, just release the rankings at that point, just put them out. If you want to have five minutes with, with the college football playoff chairman afterwards, that's great. You know, we do a conference call with him and that gets plenty of information out there. I just thought the whole thing was handled poorly and I get it's a ratings thing for ESPN and, and all that, but I can't imagine that many people tuned in for the, uh, for the, for the show, just because of how late it did get pushed back. And then that pushed back the, the next game and you know, it was a fiasco. It was, it was a fiasco and they didn't need to do it. Um, Charles Madison popping up here says he's concerned. It's Maryland Super Bowl. Ohio state gets everyone's best shot. If you look ahead because you could sleep on them. I agree. I think Maryland given the last two weeks, they've lost each of the last two games. I think there is some concern. Now the players and coaches have said all the right things this week about not looking ahead and competitive stamina that we've heard about from Ryan Day all season and the the discussion about keeping your focus on on each given week but yeah you've got the big one coming up next weekend and you you know you can't take this Maryland team for for granted uh, it just it just won't work out well we saw it 4 years ago when when Ohio State was down at Maryland uh, but we'll get back to more of that later we've got our guy Jeff Ehrman here Jeff how you doing? How are things in your world? Busy, man. Ready for the game this weekend. Everybody wants to talk about it. There's nothing like the Ohio State media. Every year, I don't think I get more requests from any any uh, media than Ohio State. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, obviously, it's a reflection of the fan base and uh, the interest and the program success, man. So, uh, what else do you think I think it speaks volumes to the work you do. People want to, people oh, want to hear you. from you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're welcome. You do a great job over there. You Jeff, let's it. dive into this game and, and let's talk about Maryland. Um, good start to the year. The last couple games haven't gone the way the Terps have wanted for, for Ohio state fans who haven't followed along closely, kind of give us the, the short version of what this season has been like for the Terps. Well, it's kind of been similar to other seasons. You know, they get up to a hot start, <clears throat> excuse me, in September. This one kind of extended a little more. In recent years, it's been a lot of like three and one starts, and then things kind of fall apart. This year was six and two, and then things went downhill. So now, you know, obviously um, the, the air is out of the balloon a little bit. You know, the fan interest obviously has gone down. The team has only scored one touchdown the past two games, really poor uh, performances at Wisconsin and Penn State, especially offensively. 
and then you know having seen the results of the Ohio State Maryland series, it's hard, you know, obviously very hard for them to envision a win or you know maybe even a close game, just given how things have gone in this series and how it's going for Maryland right now. So is it on the basketball season? Is that is that what you're saying? To some extent, I mean, I think I think if they give Ohio State a decent, you know, respectable game, don't get boat raced and uh, beat Rutgers in the finale, get a decent bowl, people will be interested again. But I think it's more of a right now. It's just a collective mindset of oh man, not this again. And yeah, and, and you got a new coach in basketball, so obviously there's there's curiosity there, and he's done really well the first three games. So to some extent, yes. The, uh, the Tagovailoa name is one, obviously, college football and, and now really NFL fans have gotten to know. Um, you guys have a, a, a another one there in, in Tylea who you've covered the last few years. What's it been like? Obviously, his, his brother was a superstar at Alabama. What, what's it been like covering him, seeing him develop? Um, I know there's been some injuries this year, but I've always been really impressed when, when I watch him, when I listen to him talk. He reminds me a lot of his brother. What's it been like from your perspective getting to cover him? I mean, he's been, you know, he's flawed like anybody else, but he's the best quarterback they've had in forever. You know, he's 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 writing his name all over the record books. If he comes back next year, it'll be his name on every single ledger that you see. Um, he came in fairly polished. He's not – a totally different guy now than he was then. He has gotten better. Um, you know, as of a few weeks ago, he was leading the, or excuse me, he was fourth in the country in completion percentage, uh, which has gone down obviously with these two rough games that he's had. But, you know, he's the other, I think the other knock on him obviously is he performs really well in kind of the lesser and mid-level games and tends to struggle a little bit against the top tier team. So that's still something kind of a monkey he needs to get off of his back. Um, but you know, overall, he's still the best they've had in a long, long time. They, they've had a lot of quarterback problems. Rakeem Jarrett, obviously one of his top targets, a guy Ohio state was interested in, in the recruiting process. Um, what, where, where do you kind of put him in terms of, of the weapons that Maryland has had in recent years and, and what do Ohio state fans, Ohio state's defense need to be aware of? him or otherwise when, when dealing with this Maryland offense? Uh, yeah, I mean, Jared's had a kind of a little bit of a disappointing season. His numbers are way off the pace of previous years. Yeah. Some of that is a result of them spreading the ball around. I mean, I can't imagine there's too many teams in the country that spread the ball as much as they do. Every every game you look at it and it's two receptions, three, three, two, like all across the board, tight ends, running backs, everybody. So that's a big part of it, but also, you know, he haven't he hasn't had those big explosive plays that he's had in the past. Those have been limited, and he's had more drops than I think he has seven drops so far. Uh, so you know, it has been it hasn't been the season I'm sure he envisioned. He's still a threat, obviously. He's still capable of of going off at any time, and I'm sure they'll try to get the ball to him, you know, extensively against Ohio State. What about the rest of this this Maryland offense? Who do they need to be aware of that maybe isn't as, as big of a name as the two we just talked about? Uh, Roman Hemby would be the biggest guy. He's their starting running back. He's a freshman, redshirt freshman. Wasn't a huge name recruit. Had some good offers. You know, had uh, North Carolina, West Virginia, but kind of a high three-star guy. 
And he looks to me like an NFL guy already as a freshman. Big, fast, strong. He's averaging about six yards a carry. Uh, he can make plays in the passing game, too. He's a good blocker. So, you know, he's been the the biggest surprise star of the season. They just don't they don't feed him, you know, heavy number one running back kind of carries. I think he averages 12 carries a game. When you look at the Maryland defense, is there something that they can do to slow in your eyes or, or maybe from what you've heard from this week, something they can do to slow down this Ohio state offense, you know, specifically the passing game, because that's where I think most people, you know, think when they think this Buckeye offense, but you know, the run, the running game has been all right. What, what do you see as the biggest challenge and, and where can Maryland maybe succeed this week defensively? Um, it's going to be tough for him. I mean, I don't think there's a great matchup anywhere, to be completely honest. The pass rush has been okay, not great. Um, you know, I don't see them, you know, making life miserable there. Secondary has been good. It's just the biggest thing about Maryland's defense so far has been the first half they've struggled. Second half of games, they've really turned it on and, and not given up a lot of points. I think they've given up 13 points in the in the third quarter this season total so they've made really good adjustments uh but they need to avoid the first half part of that where they tend to fall into a into a hole and play like that the whole game but you know it's going to be tough for them today talking on uh on his radio show ryan day was talking about the the dmv area in terms of recruiting and you know there, there are a good amount of buckeyes that live in that area but specifically in the recruiting aspect when you look at Maryland being, you know, front and center in that, how how can the Terps use that to, to continue to rise in the Big Ten? Obviously, Ohio State's gone in and gotten some big-name players. I know they're not the only school that goes in there. How, how does Maryland win more of those battles to continue to elevate this program? I mean, it's tough. You know, that's been the question for decades, yeah. football and basketball. There's a lot of talent. Everybody comes to the area to try to poach the talent. You know, I think they've got a pretty good NIL thing starting to, to take off now, so that will help. Obviously, it's not on the level probably of the Ohio States and those schools, but they do have a legitimate NIL uh, foundation now, so that will help. But, you know, for Maryland, it's, it's usually the same pitch. You know, come be a part of building something big instead of jumping on the bandwagon somewhere else and something that someone else already built. So that's usually their thing, along with obviously, you know, stay at, stay at home and play in front of your friends and family. Is Mike Loxley the guy to do that in your eyes? I mean, has he, I know there's been some success. You mentioned kind of the trajectory of the seasons. Do, do you see him as the guy that can carry out those pitches and, and help them build what, what they're looking for? I mean, if he can't do it, I don't know who can. He's, he's the godfather of DMV recruiting. You know, he got, Stefan Diggs, obviously, at the last minute. Yeah. He flipped for Kim Jarrett, a five-star from LSU. It's just every year, pretty much, you know, he, there's going to be a big signing day surprise. This class he has right now is not, not as highly rated as the ones he's had in the past, so he really needs to add some star power to the top of the class. Um, you know, it's hard to say. if you, you never know if somebody who we don't even know about, you know, might be the guy in a few years, some young prodigy, but as of right now, it's hard to imagine anybody who could do a better job of, of local recruiting than, than Mike Loxley. When you look, going, going back to the game this week, you kind of mentioned the, the fan base earlier and 
maybe jumping back on board if, if this game is close. Um, what, what is kind of the mood? I mean, as you said, the, the trajectory has been the same a lot of these years. Is, is this just kind of more of the same or how frustrated are people among the Maryland fan base? Um, I would say more apathetic than frustrated, you know, at this point, because they're just, you know, they haven't won a lot. Last year was their first bowl win, and I think it was seven years. Uh, they had a really rough stretch, obviously, from Randy Edsel to DJ Durkin, everything that happened under Durkin with, you know, Jordan McNair's death and the, um, the extended controversy and investigations and everything following that, which led to his firing. And so, and there's not a lot of winning during that time. So, so I'd say it's more apathetic. I mean, people still watch the games. They still get into it, but they're not, they're not consumed by it because it's not an, it's not like Ohio state, Penn state, Nebraska, where there's not a lot. I mean, Ohio state, you have more going on, you know, obviously it's, it's more, uh, more metropolitan than those, but you know, there's so much competition in the DC area, pro sports and non-sports things to do that you have to win. And they just haven't won consistently. When you look at this game in particular, how, how do you kind of see it playing out? The last time Ohio State was down there, which feels like 100 years ago now, um, it was obviously the, the closest it's been in this series last year, not as great. How do you see this playing out, given, you know, kind of both teams and, and how they come into this game? You know, my gut says Maryland will play better than they have. Usually teams that are having a good season, you go on the road for two really bad losses and you have all the – team meetings and all this stuff. Sometimes it doesn't pan out and you just get blown out again. But uh, I think, you know, there, it's kind of a let's save our season mentality or at least should be, you know, if they don't show that, then that's a problem. So I think that they'll play Ohio State better than they have in the past. Uh, but still, I don't, you know, it's hard to imagine them keeping it closer than, you know, 17 points, somewhere in that range. Okay, cool. Well, I, I have run through the gamut of questions for you. I uh, appreciate your time. I know these weeks get busy and, and whatnot. So thanks for doing that. We'll have the written piece with you up um, on the site later on this week. So if people are looking for more information on Maryland, you can check that out. You can check out Jeff's work and, and everybody over at M Inside MD Sports, the 247 site for Maryland. Thanks again, Jeff. I do really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Patrick. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Thanks again to Jeff. As I said, Inside MD Sports, our 247 Sports uh, Maryland website, they do, they do good stuff. Football, basketball, they've got it all going on over there. Um, so if you're interested in, in kind of what's going on with Maryland, check them out. It's, it's good stuff on there. And I know I say that every week, but I do really believe it. I wouldn't say it if I didn't because I don't gain anything by, by people looking at other people's sites. But uh, – I want to kind of go back to something we were talking about before Jeff jumped on and, and hit on a little bit more on this running back situation um, before I go to my last topic and close things out. Tim made the point that the short yardage thing, and I think that's something that, you know, despite running for a season high in yards last week, the Buckeyes still had these issues in short yardage situations. And while I'm definitely on the side of, look, you've got to get this done – and Ryan Day said the same thing. You know, sometimes he is calling these plays to try and just get them to be, you know, especially when you're up big against an Indiana, 
you know, trying to just, just figure some things out in game. Um, I also think there's something to Ohio state can throw on third and short and, and maybe it's not as, you know, as, as reliable um, as it should be on the ground, but you know, Ohio state could do some play action stuff. They could do, you know, it could just drop back and throw um, and, and pick up, you know, quick slants, things like that, especially when teams are loading boxes against them. I have to think that that is something that they've got in their playbook and can use when they need to. And thus far this year, they really haven't had to do it. Now that's not excusing the inability to run the ball in short yarded situations, because I certainly think that the Buckeyes should and need to be better at that if they're going to reach their goals. But if you get in a game against Michigan and you need a, you know, third and two, for instance, in in a big situation, CJ Stroud and these receivers are as talented as anyone in the country. And I think that that they will have plays designed to get those in need to get it situations if they don't trust the running game to get the job done. So, you know, and, and that's especially true if guys are banged up and, you know, maybe not in the game or, you know, not at a hundred percent use these, this past game, these receivers, all that stuff to, to get the job done. Because after this week, it's pretty much, you know, March madness from here on out. I mean, this, this week obviously is part of that too, going to Maryland, but you know, Ohio state's a 27 or whatever point favorite. So I think that if, if it comes down to those must have it moments in the biggest games, I think Ohio state will do more in terms of throwing the ball in short yard situations than they have so far this year. But I still think there will be a situation at some point, be it the Michigan game, be it the big 10 championship, potentially the college football playoff, whatever it is, where Ohio State, if they're going to win a national championship this year, will need to be able to convert on third and three, third and two, third and one. And that's especially true in the red zone, where throwing the ball becomes more difficult because of you know the back of the end zone and the sidelines become an extra defender. That's where I think is the biggest concern about Ohio State in short yardage situation, if, if you ask me. Now, they've done some good, some better stuff down there. We saw a touchdown last week with Dallin Hayden down there. We've seen Mayan Williams score down there, even in the Northwestern game where there was really struggles. So, so there's been positives to some degree in that. Um, another thing I want to touch on is something that, that I thought last night when, when we were doing interviews, and, and that was Wednesday night, when we were doing interviews with the players. Steel Chambers was asked about you know the confidence of when plays are being called in, he said, you know, on, on third and 10 previously, they just last year that they just hoped to get off the field. And now they have this confidence in the play calls and what's going to, what's coming that they will get off the field. And I noticed that and thought that was interesting. And I think it, it speaks volumes to the improvement of this defense, but then Ryan day was asked about it today on his radio show, maybe on the, the lightning round call. I don't know. He's asked about it on, on Thursday and, you know, he agreed that, that they've you know done better. Um, they've made improvements, but he also made the point that this defense is a year more experienced than it was when there were a lot of young guys on the defense last season. And while I think Jim Knowles and Perry Eliano and, you know, the entire defensive staff, not even just the new guys, um, Tim Walton, Larry Johnson, everybody deserve a ton of credit for turning this defense around. I think something that we've maybe not talked about enough is that we did talk about the fact that these guys were young last year and the defense should take strides anyway, but really just how much that experience 
has helped these guys. And I think some of the confidence that Steel Chambers was talking about comes from the coaching staff. And, you know, they they know this, they understand this defense, they like this defense, they're confident in Jim Knowles to get the right play call in and, and have everybody in the right positions and all those things. But they also have been there and they've done it. And I think that that has made it a lot easier to install this defense and to have this defense be as successful as it's been. Like, think about the number of guys that were playing really for the first time last season. I mean, Ronnie Hickman, uh, Lathan Ransom, Tommy Eichenberg, Steel Chambers was a running back months before last season. Um, you know, you, you can just go through the list. Denzel Burke was a freshman cornerback playing. Cameron Brown was really playing for the first time after his Achilles. I mean, keep even on the defensive line, you know, Zach Harrison had played quite a bit, but you had a lot of JT Tuomalau and Jack Sawyer, who were true freshmen. Um, the, the interior had a lot of young guys, inexperienced guys. Teron Vincent had dealt with injuries throughout most of his career. So I think if you think about it that way, as opposed to just the scheme, because the scheme is certainly good and the scheme is, is impressive and what they've been able to do. And obviously um, Jim Knowles has significantly more experience as a play caller on the defensive side of the ball, having been a defensive coordinator for a number of years at this level than uh, Kerry Combs did. And uh, even when they went to uh, Matt Barnes as the play caller, you know, they pale in comparison to what Jim Knowles has seen the ability to make adjustments, things like that. But I think you, you have to put some value on the fact that these guys have been through it. They've gone through it. They've seen a lot of things now. And so they are able to adjust, make plays, uh, you know, things like that, that, that they weren't a year ago. And I think that, that Ryan Day made a point and I thought that was, was interesting because, you know, the, the improvements for the defense, a lot of it has gone on the new scheme and the new coaches and, and all that. But I do think there's something to inexperience and that being an issue. And when you're Ohio State, you know, you don't really have the, the opportunity to have excuses. The standards are set, you know, way up here. And you have to meet those regardless of the, the youth, the inexperience on your team. And, you know, we've seen young teams – the 2014 national championship team was a pretty young team and, and they got the job done. So certainly the coaches deserve credit and, and whatnot, but I thought that was interesting. Um, I want to go back to something I asked Tim Hall before, and, and that's this potential of looking ahead to Michigan. And it's something that I've had this game kind of circled in my mind throughout the season, this Maryland game, because I think that, there, it would only be human nature, given what happened last year up in Ann Arbor and what you heard about all offseason as Ohio State players and coaches. To, to know, you know, they know that game's coming. No one's denying that that game against Michigan is just over a week away. Now, I asked a number of players on Wednesday night about this, and you know, they gave the right answers that you know, if, if we want to accomplish our goals, we have to beat Maryland. And, you know, then we can worry about Michigan after that's over. I am just wondering, and I think I haven't done my prediction yet for this week. Those come out on Friday on Bucknuts. But I am just wondering if this game maybe is a little bit closer, a little bit, you know, squirrelier um, for, well, for a couple of reasons. But one being Ohio State being well aware of the fact Michigan's coming. Okay, we're you know, almost 30 point favorites on the road. We should go in there and, and take care of business. 
Now, the one thing I will say is that I think Ohio State had that approach, unfortunately, when they went to Northwestern a few weeks ago, and you saw the results there. Still won by 14 points, but it was not the performance that anyone expected in, in that game against a really struggling Northwestern team. So maybe that will have grabbed their attention enough and they will really have dialed in and, you know, taken each game step, you know, one week at a time and, and all the things they've been saying. I just, I don't know. I, I have a feeling that Ohio State may be looking ahead a little bit and, or at least some, some people, you know, I, I just think it's, look, we're talking about the Michigan game. I've been talking about the Michigan game for a few weeks. Um, but, you know, if you're Ohio State, you, you have to figure out a way to avoid that. And, you have to take Maryland seriously because there is talent on that team. We, we were just talking with Jeff from, from a Maryland site. And, you know, I, we went through a number of guys that are talented that maybe haven't played up to the level they expected. There've been injuries, you know, this, that, and the other thing, but Ohio state can't look at Maryland and be like, Oh, this is a team that just lost Wisconsin and just lost to Penn state 30 to zero and think that they're going to walk in there and just take care of business and then head into the Michigan game next week. We saw a few years ago, Michigan can cause Ohio State some some issues. Um, it's, it, I guess that was four years ago, but, or sorry, Maryland can cause Ohio State some issues and obviously very different teams, but I don't know. I, I just have a bit of concern. I have all season about this. Um, I, I want to get to a few things I saw in the comments. Uh, Timper from YouTube said, Ryan said it snowed pretty hard yesterday and they practiced in it and had a good practice. That was reassuring. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's good. He was asked on on the uh, lightning round Zoom call about Steel Chambers said last year they didn't practice in the snow. And uh, he was asked, Ryan was asked about, you know, was that an intentional thing a year ago? And, and now are you intentionally trying to get out and practice in, in kind of bad weather conditions? Ryan said, I don't think it snowed last year during the season. So um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if that was really the reason or if, you know, this is a toughness thing and whatnot, but look, I think there's, there's been some overblown notions that this team can't play in, in bad weather. No one was playing real football the way we see football in 2022 in that wind in Northwestern. It just wasn't happening. And it, it, it was the, one of the weirdest games I've ever been to, but you, you know, you look at Ohio State last year. Yeah, they lost to Michigan, but this offense put up numbers. C.J. Stroud threw for almost 400 yards and two t- – you know, it's not like the California kids struggled in the cold weather. No, he was fine. Um, your problem last year was the defense, and he couldn't stop Michigan's run game. And that has nothing to do with it being cold. They couldn't stop running – they couldn't stop the run game against Oregon in September. It, it wasn't – you know, I think the, the notion that it's – that they won't play well in cold weather and in the snow and whatnot is, is, is overblown to some degree. Um, you know, I think you saw last week against Indiana, it was snowing. They played well. Yeah, it's Indiana. But you know, if, if you want to use the Northwestern example, so I'm not really sure that, that that's going to be a major issue. I think the bigger thing is more, um, you know, handling the adversity when it's thrown at you. Um, and Ohio State's done that decently well this year. Um, you know, we'll get into more about the Michigan game next week and kind of how we see it and, and all that. And we'll, we'll talk a lot of Michigan next week, obviously, but you know, I'm not, I'm not too concerned you know, about the weather and, and what it looks like for this team. I, I think they will be fine. Yes. There is some notion or something to the fact that they are built to play 
you know, in the Big Ten championship inside in the college football playoff, which is in nice weather, certainly. And, and I think you do have to be ready to be built for that. It's kind of like college basketball. You have to be able to play in March, but Big Ten teams also have to play in the Big Ten where it's a different style of basketball. I think Ohio State will be fine in, in that capacity. So we're going to wrap it up there with that. This may be our shortest Bucknuts happy hour this week, but we had to switch some things around with some scheduling stuff. So things were a little out of whack today, but we, we still managed nearly 50 minutes here. And I think we hit on a lot of good stuff. So if you missed anything, this version or this show will be a podcast version. You can find it on anywhere you get your podcasts, like subscribe, all that stuff. It all helps a lot. I thank you guys for tuning in once again to the Bucknuts happy hour Steve and I will be down in College Park. We leave on Friday for the game. We'll have all the coverage from down there. Dave will have what we learned live as soon as the game against Maryland ends. And stay tuned, you know, whenever you're listening to this Friday, obviously we'll have our predictions and stuff. If you're not a Bucknut subscriber, you like recruiting, you want to be able to read stuff on other people's sites, I recommend doing it. Um, you know, not only because I work there, but because I think there's a lot of good content, as I've said many times throughout the 247 Sports Network. But thank you for tuning in again. Stay tuned for Bucknuts throughout this week. And obviously, next week's going to be the big one. I am looking forward to this show next week. I hope you all will join me. And until then, cheers. (laughs) 